In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, baseball isn't boring, and. I know this because we can just sit there and talk about it all the live long day, talk about it anytime you want. And there is honestly nobody better to talk about the, the season, the game so far than Ellen Adair, who was, was on with us before. Ellen, like I, I am nominating you for, for fan of the year so far. I am nominating you for fan of the year. I see you on social oh media. I, I just, I just feel like you just, you just, you know, when I see you, you just love baseball so much. I know it. It's not. It's not just holding up a T-shirt or whatever it is, and which I appreciate all of it. But, but, but it, oh, there it is. The baseball. I, I did wear my baseball isn't boring uh, shirt just for you, and I thought I would reveal it in an appropriate moment. Oh, and that well, this, seemed like when you said holding up a T-shirt, I was like, oh, I've got to go for it. I've got to go for the holding up well, the T-shirt. Thank you so much. And it's not only that. But I appreciate that so much. But uh, I just appreciate that your love of the game, and and I I, tru- I truly mean it. And it's always it's good to talk to you. And first of all, welcome. I I had that long intro, but I was I was so excited to talk baseball with you. So well, I'm just so honored to be nominated for baseball fan of the year, particularly because I feel like it's been a, a controversy recently on my social media. I've been like, I've always thought of myself as a a lover of baseball above all. Look, I love the Phillies. They're my life partner. I don't remember not loving the Phillies, but really... I'm, I think I got this from both of my parents that they both just really love baseball. And so the way that they raised me is like, we can get really excited about players on other teams and we can get really excited about, you know, rooting for whatever team in whatever random matchup. And so that's the way that I was raised. But I also feel like that's the way to kind of enjoy the most amount of baseball, like get the most joy out of it. And I, I've always been this way. I've always like, you know, here I am wearing a, you know, whatever, like Milwaukee Brewers shirt or like the shirt with Zach Gallon on it or whatever. But it feels like just this season, I've gotten a lot of flack from people for like really? showing up at a Mets Padres game in a Padres jersey. Like, yay, here to like see the Padres play. And people are like, you're a Phillies fan. Where your, where's your Phillies stuff? And I'm like, I, I love baseball. The Phillies aren't playing in this game. Like, I'm rooting for them to hit a million home runs against Sandy Alcantara, which is what was happening at the same time. Like, it's not it's not different. Just like they're not playing in this game. I want to see the Padres. Yeah, I like saw the Twins play the Yankees and just the amount of stuff where people are like, well, look, if you're really a Phillies fan, you should be wearing Philly stuff oh, to that on. Twins There's Yankees game. There's plenty of time for that. Come on. And I'm just- like... 
how dare I have gone to Target Field and gotten a piece of memorabilia? And how dare I wear that later to another game where the Twins are playing? Like, really, of all the things that people could get up in arms about. Well, I can tell you, from from my perspective, it's it's just the opposite. Because I think that, you know, randomly, we, we ended up at the same place. I think it was last week. I didn't realize until fairly late in the game, but we were both at City Field. Um, for the, like you said, the Mets Padres. And I could have gone to Tropicana Field to see the Red Sox, which is a team I pri- I'm primarily around, which is fine. And I don't mind Tropicana Field. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a snob, Tropicana Field snob like a lot of people. It is what it is, right? It's, it's a good place. I have place. not been there, but. Okay. Yes. Well, it, it has a slanted roof for air conditioning costs. That's all. That's my little bit of trivia. But, but, you know, I, I, I loved going to that game just to see different – and here's the thing, much like what you're talking about, it's not only baseball, it's two good teams, but it's also different people. It's different yeah. – it's, 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 we get to see – like you mentioned Zach Gallen, holy mackerel, like can we start appreciating people like Zach Gallen? <laughs> like let's go. I mean, he's my favorite pitcher who's not on the Phillies. So, yeah, like I'm all over appreciating Zach Gallon all the time. I just I he's so good at like hitting the edge of the zone. That's like something that he really excels at. I think one of the reasons that I love him so much is because there's actually a lot of ways in which his arsenal is comparable to Aaron Nola. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, yeah, like, I know exactly what that's like. I know, like, a changeup that goes like that. And I know, like, you know, a fastball that, that like, is, like, 93, but, like, actually pretty effective. So, yeah, I, I that could be part of it. Well, <laughs> well I just I, really I, love him. I uh, And I promised also, the, I talked to you about a little bit before about your your podcast, Take Me Into the Ball Game, which is obviously another avenue for you to talk about baseball. Um, before we get going, tell me a little bit about how often that drops and what, what you have coming up or anything you want to talk about with that. Sure. So at this point, um, because we've been doing it for quite some time, uh, and because it's very, very research heavy for us, every episode is very research heavy. Um, we drop one episode a month now. So our next episode uh, for the month of April is going to be on 42, uh, on the movie 42. So it was uh, really fun to talk about. We've done a couple of other Jackie Robinson movies at this point, but really diving into like, what exactly does the movie get right? And where does it deviate? And there's so much stuff in that movie. It's It's a pretty conscientious movie, but there's a lot of stuff in there where it's like interestingly some accounts support what's happening in the movie but then there are other things that kind of cast doubt on that a lot of um nuance that i think is is really interesting in baseball history and doesn't always get talked about i love that i love that you know i just it sprung to mind the we had um not only did he do my hall of fame ballot reveal but db sweetie came up to the our broadcast booth to do five innings up in a spring training game. And we were once again talking about the eight men, eight men out uh, movie and, and all that was right and all that was wrong and people who participated in that. And, and I love that you're taking that you're taking the history of that or the movie. And then you're taking the history that comes with the movie and, and picking through it. Cause that's what it's really all about. Um, and that's a great game. I love, I, I love baseball movies, first of all. And I can't remember if we had, Touch, we, I think we did touch on this about whether or not Field of Dreams is a baseball movie. I we think did we the, did talk yeah. about it. I know we talked about D.B. Sweeney. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Superlative, you know, the the 
definitive uh, the shoeless joe yeah shoeless joe yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly and, and um but you know so anyway so i want to go back to uh the the great game of baseball that we lo- we both love so much and once again i'm just so thrilled that you're on with us tonight or today and and to talk about just the season and this, that's what it's all about and one of the regrets that i have this season on this are you know we've had i've had a lot of fun this season so far alan i have it's been sort of a wild ride where you know doing the podcast but also you know i had the, we had the book come out a damn near perfect game with joe kelly and you know going through that it, it got it's got a really good reaction but one of the, my regrets i wish i knew you better so that you were in the book honestly oh. <laughs> no no I, I i sincerely mean this and so I um I caught up with some of the people who were in the book who had excerpts about their love of the game, and you know, and it, it it's just it's everybody has a different story. We I just caught up with Brett Phillips. Brett Phillips has a big chunk, right? I mean, right? I mean, you know, the, like, best. Like, the best, like like high expected fun human <laughs> being. Yes, and and so you know, and I just I know that 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 your story and and your love of the game would would be such a great addition so I'll, maybe in the sequel i apologize i apologize that you are not in the book um but just r- understand that you belong in that book you absolutely belong in that book and um so i just wanted to say that it was on my mind uh yes a damn near perfect game deserves a damn near perfect fan and that's you ellen so that's there. really kind i it never ever would have crossed my mind to have been in your book <laughs> one way or another yeah, and so well, that's really really nice of you to say well um, it's, it, it's it's it was it was a fun process in um but it's it's also a fun conversation and that's what we've been talking about that's where the podcast started um and so one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is just we're we're only Yes, it's great that you're being nominated as fan of the year three weeks in. Listen, that's something. <laughs> but yeah. but this is how we do baseball, right? We are reactionary. We're, uh, we have to take what's in front of us. We have to take what we can get. And, and in this case, it's, it's three weeks. It's not even a month in. But that said, I had said to you, I said, one of the conversations I wanted to have was now that we have these this chunk of the season – it's been a really, really unique and fascinating and out of the ordinary chunk of a baseball season, right? It really has. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. And, and so so I guess the, what I wanted to, before we get to what is like, is your favorite things about the season, what your favorite things about watching the season, about digesting the season, um, what is it, if you had to say, you know, right now the season stops, if you just look back at this season, the three-week season, how would you classify it? Would you be just like, you know, that was what I expected? That was odd. That was that was glorious. How would you how do we how would you define what we've seen so far? It's a really excellent question, and I think I I in everything that I am excited about, I'm always like, well, but it's a small <laughs> sample size, you know, that kind of uh, nerd justification that I have. So, I mean, I think I would be like, gosh, pitchers were not good that year. <laughs> like, I feel like that would be my number one takeaway, you know, like even the pitchers that we thought were really good would have like one good start and then just, you know, get clobbered in the next start. But boy, 
the hitting was really electric to watch. I feel like that would be my summary of the 2023 <laughs> three-week season. <laughs> yeah. like, I would be like, good. it's too bad that Aaron Nova- Nola never really found his groove. That would be one of my main reviews. <laughs> well, you know, this is, a, this is what's bizarre about it is that, yeah, you know, so we're to, let's say this, take this three weeks, three whatever plus weeks, and this is what how people make a ton of money in, in a postseason. That's what it is. I mean, they double their salary sometimes in, in three weeks. And now we're obviously on the on the flip side of it where he's like, no, 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 no. Just be patient. Be patient. It, it's going to be the ups and downs. It's only three or four starts. It's going to be the ups and downs. But I'm sorry. Like, this, this is what we have. This is what we have. It's been kooky. Yeah. I mean, as a Phillies fan, I can be very glad that the three week sample size that the Phillies had in the postseason they had then rather than this particular right. three week sample size, which is <laughs> they basically like <laughs> they've been toot bland thrown out on the base paths like a nincompoop up and down the batting order like everybody like people that you think of as really smart base runners like Trey Turner or like JT Romito have done stuff where it's like, wait, what? happened like what's in the water what's going on with you guys and it's one of those things i really love i don't know if it's gauche for me to talk about another podcast on this podcast but i really love the round table at the athletic sure and and those guys were were talking about i believe none of it matters but everything counts and yes. I was like, about yes. April and I was like yes that's that's perfect because it's the perfect balance between I feel like the arguments that we always have of people who are like completely overreactionary I remember when the Phillies were still like had not yet won a game I had a tweet though I was like I'm not overreacting but I am over sad like <laughs> I'm still experiencing feelings about this even if I'm not going into complete panic mode and I think that like people who are like ah oh, it's early I'm like yeah but you know like what if in September we're like four games back of Atlanta, right? right. Then we'll be like that mattered, that mattered. Um, so yeah, it does. It does count. Like it so, still counts for Tampa Bay. You know it, what I mean? It's yeah, exactly. One of gajillion games. Yeah, exactly. And and you mentioned Trey Turner. Like this is another thing is that we define performances. We define the the people who are supposed to be in the crosshairs of like being stars and and carrying teams and and in your case like you said we can't ignore it. Trey Turner was an enormous acquisition what what part of the Phillies are you like this is what I expected and this is what I did not expect oh that's that's a that's a great question and I mean for example I mean for Trey Turner like he doesn't have a home run I'm not panicking like Trey Turner's like. He- he like wasted an them MVP. all at WBC, yes. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I feel like I know they're going to come back around, you know? Like, he's still he's still uh, an above, well above average player. Like, he's still contributing very much. It, but that's the Phillies in general, you know? Like, they they lead. Here's, here's something that I'm not sure that I would have expected of the Phillies is just this fact that they, I believe they lead baseball in batting average but they're 24th in home runs. So that's not any one particular player, but like even even without Reese Hoskins, even you know with Bryce Harper coming back, I still wouldn't have expected those two things that like when the Phillies do score 13 runs, it's cuz like everybody hit a bunch of singles is absolutely not something that I would have anticipated from this particular team. Um you know, I do think 
on the one hand, you know, neither Nola or Wheeler have been exactly what I would expect from the kinds of players that I think that they are. On the other hand, I had this thought about their workloads, particularly Nola, who didn't miss really any time. You know, he pitched as many innings, including the postseason, as uh, Alcantara, who pitched the most number of innings last year. And so I was definitely like, I don't know what the fatigue is going to be like for these guys necessarily. So, you know, to see them, you know, Aaron Nola has still turned in a number of quality starts, but to see just his stuff, his actual um, velocity not being quite up there, you know, his his uh, his changeup not qu- quite being crisp, his curveball not quite doing what we know his curveball can do, that kind of stuff, I guess. Um, and I mean, it's something that is has been a very, very delightful surprise is uh, right before we started this podcast, we had mentioned Brandon Marsh, and I would not have expected Brandon Marsh to be leading the National League in OPS. I don't. I don't think that's something that I would have put any kind of money on. Um, and not that I like don't love Brandon Marsh and don't believe in him, but like would I have believed that particular thing? No. And you know the fact that that the sort of the Phillies daycare, as they were called, that they have been absolutely hitting the cover off of the ball is so fun. And you know we we've seen this from Alec Bohm and we've seen it from Bryson Stott. You know he had, I think. He tied the Phillies record for like most number of, of hits in consecutive games to, um, to start a season with, and I, unfortunately I don't have this fact in front of my head, but it is a player named Puddenhead. Um, I'm sure I can look it up like really fast. He has a sort of a normal last name that's not as rememberable, like Puddenhead Jones. This was a while ago, you know, like the Phillies go back this to 1883. This is officially a, the official member of the Baseballs and Boring all time team is Puddenhead Jones. I don't even. It was Puddenhead Jones. Yes, it was. Yes, was? I'm sorry. Oh, Puddenhead yes. Jones. How can you not love Puddenhead Jones? Well, it- look, Bryson Stott is now, has now tied with. Puddenhead Jones. I do think um, that Bryson Stott ever said, this is my goal. This is my goal. I'm chasing Puddenhead Jones. I, I, I hope that he did. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. I, I apologize mean, no to Puddenhead for not immediately remembering his last name. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, and and I think it's 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 very delightful to see. And, you know, they're all hitting like above 350. It's it's completely ridiculous. And and being a nerd, the like stat cast metrics don't necessarily back up what Stott is doing in the same way that they sort of uh, back up what Marsh and Bohm are doing a little bit more. Um, but it's, you know, they're they're like expected slug is still in the upper percentiles. They're doing really well. And it's it's delightful to see. Do you feel so? Do you feel the last question about the Phillies is, do you feel right now as we sit here, do you feel like, OK, you know, I we saw how they turned things around last year and it's a flawed team, as you pointed out, but it's going to be OK. I still feel like there's going to be good times in October. Do you still have that vibe about you? I think I still do. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a situation where circulating on Phillies Twitter have been people being like, remember the last time the Phillies got to this bad of a start and it was last year. And like, yeah, on the other hand, one would prefer to not be in the third wild card spot. Like, even if you could just get that second wild card spot, that would actually obviously be much better. So 
I it, it's it's a situation where like I know the talent that is in this team and I know like for myself as a fan losing Reese Hoskins in the way that we did um and I, I say we not just as the Phillies as if like the Phillies team but like as a fan community like sure. we're not going to get to see Reese Hoskins play this year um it really took the wind out of my sails as a fan coming into the season I I was just like oh gosh, okay, I guess we play baseball now, but I'm still really sad. And like the NOLA extension didn't happen. And and so I don't know if the, there's a little bit of that happening for these guys when like they actually know him, right? I don't even, I don't know Reese Hoskins. But I was like really <laughs> sad about it, but they're actually buddies with him. And I, I think he's, he's not only such a, a kind of like, metronomic player when you look at the full season like incredibly consistent but really such a good clubhouse guy and and such a leader in that way and so you know i don't know does that contribute to them getting swept by the rangers maybe i mean also maybe not so i do think that even even without hoskins that it's an incredibly talented team and um that they they absolutely have in them the same kind of uh run that they had in October. So I lied. There's one more Phillies thing because I we had mentioned. Hey, I can talk about the Phillies all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I, I, I you know I was hoping that in, in it was my fault for doing it last minute, but I was trying to get you and Matt Strom at the same time. Um, now my goal is to get you and Brandon Marsh on the podcast at the same time. It would be Brandon's second time, and and um, he was great the first time. And actually, one of the things he said in spring training on the podcast was he's talking about the rules and and the the pitch clock, and he said. Yeah, you know, it's it's going to benefit me because I, I'm best when I'm paraphrasing, but he said something to the effect I'm best when you're just dumb enough, you know, when you're just you're not thinking you're just like, oh, see ball hit ball. Here we go. And clearly, whatever it is, it's working for him. Um, it sure is. Yeah. Yeah. And and, um, and he also has a baseball and boring shirt he's wearing around evidently um, with the sleeve still on, which is a shocker. Um, I can't so, believe it. Oh, Brandon, you got to You got to take the sleeves well, off he's to, got, to, to like fit his style, you know? Yeah, that's right. So that's what Matt Strong. These said. guns can stay hit. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, yes, I mean, that it's 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 science. You have to do that. And um so, but you would listen to Matt Strom. <laughs> you, 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 you listen to the Matt Strom podcast. And I, so I just want to get your take on it real quick. Um, because, you know, I, we talked about it, the beer thing about the beer sales get a lot of play all over the place. Um, and my, you know, I have a take on that, which is my take on the, the in, in case people didn't see it, it's Matt Strom was very, very, um, um uh, very, very, um, very intentional in terms of how he viewed this. He actually brought it up. He said, this is on my mind and and I want to talk about it, which is ownership at that point for teams were, were having beer sales in the eighth inning instead of the seventh inning. He said, well, if you really care about it, you go to the sixth inning. My thing is, well, you know, yes, you're going to drink anytime. Uh, I I understand what he's saying because it's hypocritical if you're saying this is the rule. This is why we're doing the rule in the seventh inning. And now we're doing the same impetus for the rule, and now we're doing the eighth inning, which you might as well do at the end of the game because that can last 10 minutes. And I, so that's what I think he was saying. You can talk about that, but you also listened to the whole thing because I saw your tweet. What was your takeaway from – because Strom is a, an interesting guy. I know he had a rough outing last time, but he's a really opinionated and uh, introspective guy. What was your takeaway from him? 
Yeah, I mean, I think like I I I agree with him about the the sort of the hypocrisy in the um, in the alcohol service, and and I have I have feelings about that um, from twelve years of working in restaurants uh, that like it's it is actually it is part of the responsibility of whoever is serving the alcohol to make sure that the that the person who is receiving it is is safe and is not going to do anything to anybody else like it's people people can argue about whether or not that is the responsibility of the vendor and it just like it is it is it's all it's 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 a fact that we don't want to think about in our country all the time but it is actually our responsibility to take care of each other so that's that's just my opinion Mm -hmm. um but uh in the thing that was most interesting to me in that um, was his uh, assertion that what he's really concerned about with the pitch clock is that it might lead to more pitcher injuries. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like with the number of pitcher injuries that we've seen, look, we oh, like it is it is very volatile. Pitchers are are a class of human beings because they're doing a completely unnatural thing with their body, um, who are very likely to get hurt in any year. But I do feel like, and this is anecdotal, right? So I can't cite numbers, but it feels like it's slightly more than average. And I think it's not just that. I think it's also um, the thing that I alluded to earlier in my review of the 2023 three-week season, I'm like, gosh, like pitchers were very volatile. I think that it's hard to not wonder how the pitch clock is affecting them mentally and that they might occasionally need a moment to take a pause mentally, or they might need a, a moment to take a pause physically when they're doing I think he said the phrase like this is a max effort sport. Yeah. Yes. When they have to work at maximum effort, then they need the recovery time. And, you know, for me, when I was kind of looking preseason at the leaderboard of who's most likely to run a foul of the pitch clock, I noticed, oh, it's actually the, the people at the very bottom of their pace are often relief pitchers. And that makes sense because relief pitchers are more max effort kind of guys. And like Matt Strom is also a max effort kind of a guy, even when he's pitching more innings. I think it's, you know, it's, it's wonderful that he has such a large arsenal and so therefore can, can fool batters in so many different ways than your standard relief pitcher. But like, it's clear that that's kind of the way that he goes about his job and the way that he um, executes his pitches. And so, you know, I can, I'm sure that he's feeling that, but I'm also sure that anybody who throws high velocity is feeling that. I'm sure Zach Wheeler was feeling that today when he just like couldn't stop the bleeding versus the White Sox and he needed a moment to take a pause and he couldn't. So, I mean, something that I had referenced is there was a moment and I want to say it was in 2019, but it, it, could have been 2018, but I think it was 2019 when I was on MLB Network and somebody asked me my opinion about like, what if we had a pitch clock? And I said, you know, I understand what it would do for pace of play, but the main thing that I would be concerned about would be for more pitcher injuries. And I, everybody kind of like chuckled at me, like, look at this girl, look at this cute little opinion that she has. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I was like, I, I don't know. I'm just like thinking about my friends, the pitchers, honestly. And so it was, um, I was, I was sad to hear that opinion reflected like, you know, from, I don't know, Matt. You were right like, though. I mean, this is, but I was, you know, I was right at least insofar as, as what he's concerned about. And I feel like a little bit insofar as what we've been seeing, not just physically, but also mentally. No, I, I think that he had a point you were right on, on top of it. I mean, absolutely. 
I don't think it's undeniable this is going to be a thing. And you look at it, it's interesting because this sort of will help us morph into the what we're seeing now and, and some of the good that we're seeing now, which is we just had a game today, I believe it was like an hour and 50 minutes. Um, so I, some, a lot of people might think that was good because it was a quick game. I mean, we can have, maybe people wanted to stay longer. I don't know. But one of the things that Ellen, that people that talking to some of the pitchers, they say, why aren't we getting a timeout? Like the hitters are getting a timeout, which is, I think that a very legitimate thing. The hitters in spring training were all of a sudden given a timeout. The, the pitchers still don't have that timeout. And it makes a lot of sense. And when you talk about relievers and and pitchers, like what Zach Wheeler or whoever, what what happens? And we knew saw this coming in spring training, where rallies this game, this are steamrolling. I mean, they're just because you don't have time to slow things down. It's one thing after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. It's like, oh wait, 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 wait. Let me let me take a walk around the mountain. You no, know, you can't do that. And when you're doing it, I'm going to throw it harder. I'm going to throw it harder. Then you're leading to injuries. So all of it, I agree with exactly what you said, what Matt said. And I think there's some adjustments that are just going to have to be made because of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. I, I think that it would be helpful for the pitchers to have a timeout. I mean, I know they can disengage and throw over, but that's different than a timeout. Like, they should be allowed to have that. And it sort of puts the onus on the catcher a little bit to be like, oh, gosh, am I going to use a mound visit right now? Which, of course, are also timed and limited in terms of their number. Um, And, you know, I mean, I feel like that would be a number one solution. And number two, for me, I would just, now that we've done it this way, add another five seconds onto the pitch. Yes. You know, just so that there's a little bit more space for them to breathe if they need it, but they will have sort of, with spring training with this, have gotten a little bit more used to this pace where they can go at this pace if everything's going fine so that we're not going to get a Pedro Baez situation, right? Like it'll still make sure that the game is moving along crisply. But I understand I'm in the minority where like, I don't want my baseball game to be an hour and 50 minutes. Mm. You know, like I I was, uh, as I was alluding to, I was at the uh, Garrett Cole, Pablo Lopez game um, at Yankee Stadium on Sunday, which was, I believe, tied for the the shortest ever game at Yankee Stadium. And I wanted at least another half an hour of baseball, frankly. You know, it's about two hours. And... You know, so I feel like there's enough space to let it breathe a little bit. And I, and I, it's also a thing where I feel like having been trained to do this, then that will only feel like, oh, yay, now I get so much extra space to breathe. The, the very nerdy thing that I was, the comparison that I was making, um, I danced ballet for 18 years and in the nutcracker, the Clara, when in, um, rehearsal gets a heavier nutcracker and then in performance gets like a lighter nutcracker to sort of hoist aloft. And so it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, I guess <laughs> a baseball analogy would be like donuts on your bat, right? Or like swinging with multiple bats instead. <laughs> yeah. But like that's, 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 this is the one that I have personal experience. That's a good with. one though. It's so, good. Yeah. But I'm like, they, they would, they would have, you know, danced with the heavier nutcracker basically is <laughs> something that I throw around all the time and people are always like, they would have done what now? And I'm like, yeah, you know. <laughs> Have your nutcracker. It's good, uh, <laughs> See, but but you're right. In in you know thinking through it, 
one of the things, and like I said, not to come back to the book, but to come back to the book, you know, one of the things that doing going through the book um, and talking to different people, one of the constant things is the how the the in-game experience of going to a baseball game is better than any other thing, any other game, right? Like for better than football, better than basketball, better than hockey. When why that why is that? It's because you're able to talk in between pitches. You're able to to sort of interact. Um, everything is isn't just like you. You have to like. Oh, sorry, this I cannot talk to you because I have to be laser focused, or I cannot go to the restroom, or I can't go to the concession stand because I have to be laser focused. It was never that way in baseball, and that's one of the great things about it. And um, and to be honest with you, to your point, we're losing that. We're losing some of that. I mean, yeah. we just are. Yeah, so. a little bit. And like honestly, the concessions is part of it. I the the second Phillies game that I went to at Yankee Stadium, my friend Meg was like, I don't I don't want to get up. Like I want to get up to get something, but I know if I get up, I'm gonna miss an entire inning and I don't want to do that. And and she's a big hockey fan and she's like, if they're gonna do this pitch clock thing, then they need to have an intermission. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I mean, I like and I don't. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know what that would do for like the fan experience at home necessarily. But like, I don't. I don't honestly think if if stadiums are like, oh, we're concerned about, uh, we're not making quite as much money in concessions. I would not mind as a fan to be like, you know, between the the like earlier than the seventh inning stretch, like between the fourth inning and the fifth inning, there's like a longer break. Not a, not like as long as the intervals in hockey or something like that, but you know, like more like five to seven minutes or something like that, where like you can really go to the bathroom, you can really go get yourself a beer or whatever. Could end up being a uh, you know what? Ellis, like I I haven't even thought about that. I didn't heard about that. I am all for that. I think it's a great idea. We can and credit my friend Meg. <laughs> Meg, Meg, excellent job, Meg. I was a copyright TM. There you go, excellent job. But I I I like that, and it, it falls under like we're gonna have to adjust. a year from now. We might be sitting here like, can we believe we did this or didn't do that? And maybe that's like. Can you believe that we didn't have an intermission like Meg had suggested to begin with? So there you go. Um, so I had asked yeah. you, I had asked you coming to this podcast, and I, we've had such a good time talking. So I, I apologize. I'm just getting to this, but tell me, Ellen. Tell no, me, it's fine. It's all good. And tell me, Ellen. Tell me, tell me what has been like so joyous for you to watch in baseball this year. So I think. If if we're looking back on the 2023 season, and it's already happened in three weeks, 2023 to me was the year of the post-hype breakout, and I am presently hyped for it. I am so excited. I feel like, obviously, the poster child here is Jared Kelnick, and I can't tell you how absolutely thrilled it makes me to see Kalnick hitting a monstrous dinger four nights in a row, like some of them to like the upper deck or like the orbiting Jupiter. And I mean, I think that his Homer at Wrigley was the second longest Homer of the season after John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just after after being demoted in 2021 and again in 2022 and neither of those things seeming to be particularly helpful like 
I'm not going to read out the triple slash lines from those years, but they're sad. We all know that they're sad. They're about as sad as they can get. And like, you're still playing. But right now he is batting 333, 393, 667. And it's all backed up by the stat cast data, you know, like hard hit rate and max exit velocity. And it just, it makes me so glad, so incredibly glad. Like he's making diving catches in the outfield. It's beautiful. And another top prospect who could be breaking out is Mackenzie Gore. Mm-hmm. And I remember when it seemed sort of weird that the Padres weren't bringing up Mackenzie Gore. I was like, this seems like the moment, you know, you've got a hole in your rotation. And I don't even remember who they brought up instead. But I was like, feels like it should be Mackenzie Gore. And the minor league numbers were not inspiring. But I was like, do the Padres know something? <laughs> so, you know, last year he made uh, 13 starts for the Padres and then went on the IL with elbow soreness. And he didn't pitch for Washington after the trade. So this year he's still walked 10 batters in 15 innings, which isn't great. And he has he has a higher than average left on base rate. So he's got a little bit lucky in that situation. But he also has a higher strikeout rate. And that really points to the fact that he's commanding the fastball better than he was last year. And that's that's the main thing. But his slider's also been more effective, even though his his curveball is more effective overall. So it's a small sample, but you know, everything is. Those are the go ahead. I mean, I have I have a whole list of dudes that I'm like really. Excited oh no, about. let's keep going. It's good because you know what I, I like this. I like this line of conversation, and Kellick is a great one because um, I did. I looked him up when some some I believe it was uh, Tristan Casa said got uh, called up and sort of relating that draft and 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 how Kellick was the first. I believe he was the first one from that draft to get called up and obviously really really hyped and everything else. And then as you point out, like it was sort of like, ah, oh, man, it's it's not working out. It's not working out. But this is this is patience is so hard. Man. It's patience is just so hard. It's so hard. And I think that you know, and we had Jerry Depoto on the podcast uh, in spring training, and he talked about that. He talked about at that time how they really felt like he had figured this out. And we can say that in spring training, but it really felt like he had figured that out. And and sometimes. It, it just takes that. It just clicks. But I think, Ellen, what you need is that you need you need success around you in order to have that patience. You know, like having having good players around him, why he's figuring it out, or it really really helps. So, oh, that- for sure, absolutely. You just you end up having conversations with somebody. You know, well, this worked with for me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try this, or I'm gonna try that other thing. And I think just really like being in it and 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 getting your reps and just getting more used to what major league pitching looks like and all of those things. I mean, sometimes sometimes you're Julio Rodriguez and you come up and you take the world by storm, but other times, yeah, you just need a little bit more of a period of adjustment. And I think. You know, certainly Kelnick had a great team context for most of the year last year, like a, a, a pretty good Mariners team. But yeah, sometimes it just takes a little bit of an extra time. I think I think what's tough is like he was pretty great in spring training last year, too. Mm. And I certainly was like, OK, yay. And then it didn't quite pan out. And so this because because I, I, I always attempt to um, love baseball players with an unstruck heart like this spring training, I was like, Yay, but it was a little bit more tentative. I mean, I was like, I'm excited. I, I believe it, you know, it whatever. It was yay with a question mark. Yeah. It, was, it was yay with a question mark a little bit. I was like, please let this be the real time. Yeah. Uh, so you, so you have other people, you have other people on the, on I your, do. Uh, I, on I do your, have a list of your, other dudes. On your yay dot, 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 dot list. 
No, I mean, to me, right now, this feels like, yay, exclamation point, exclamation oh, point, okay. exclamation Ex- point. Even better. I mean, even though it's three weeks, but yeah, whatever. Um, we're, we're reviewing the whole season at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Year in review. <laughs> um, so Geraldo Perdomo is another former top prospect, you know, never quite as high on prospect rankings as uh, as Kelnick was. But I, I think it's fair to say that he had only kind of stuck around in the majors because of his defensive ability. He had a 58 WRC plus last year. Um, for for anybody who out there listening who isn't quite as much of a nerd as I am, that is that is a stat where 100 is league average. So 58 is no bueno. Um, <laughs> but this year, so far, it's 180. So offensively, he's been 80% better than league average, which is part of the reason why the Diamondbacks are leading the NL West at the moment, which honestly, this is one of the things that uh. makes me really happy about yeah, this. you and me both i love the diamondbacks i mean i i think in some ways it's it's it is it is fueled by the the truly ridiculous amount that i love zach gallon but like i i've also been a huge fan of Cattell Marte. and so for for love of those two players i've been like a, a real kind of you know diamondbacks bandwagoner for for a few years um so now, this I was, is but go ahead ellen no, I was just going to say I was uh, one of the times that I was on MLB Network last year. The the prompt was who's the best team in the NL right now? And I kept on being like, it's the Diamondbacks. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not. But actually, it's the Diamondbacks. No, I'm kidding. I'm um, so to be very serious now is the Diamondbacks. <laughs> this, Diamondbacks. Was, this was like late in the season when they were playing so well and it yeah. felt like nobody was noticing how well they were playing. Um, so yeah, I'm just like a huge, a huge fan of that team. And we had, um, was doing really well. So this is where I drop it. I'm going to drop in the podcast right now where Tori Lovello came on the podcast and I asked him, I said, give me your speech to begin spring training, right? Every, all the managers get in front of every other teams and they have the speech. And it, it was something to the effect that I'll play it, but it was something to the effect of that, like, let them spend by their teams. And he literally said, let them buy their teams. We're going to do it our way. And I'm like, oh, man. And by the way, you can say that, but I think that Tori and I think that Mike Hazen and though everybody they understood, even though they wouldn't just come out and say, we're going to, like, take them on. They understood that this was going to be the team that you wanted them to be. The, uh, but they were absolutely on my radar. I'm, I'm happy for them. Yes, I'm with you. I have such a crush on Mike Hazen that is like 100% not based on what he looks like. I mean, he's an attractive human being, but like, I just think that as a general manager, he's just like, like with the position that he's in, right? That he, that he does not have John Middleton to spend a million dollars. Um, well, obviously a million dollars is like nothing, <laughs> a gajillion dollars. I meant that in a figurative amount. Yeah. Like the, the, the moves that he makes, um, to, to kind of like figure out how to, how to get, get value where he can and, and make smart trades and stuff like that. I've just always really admired what he does. No, it's, and it's, yeah, it's, I can just, but I can just imagine, you know, everybody, everybody in the, <laughs> in the Diamondbacks dugout, you know what I mean? Like Josh Rojas and Christian Walker and Corbin Carroll being like, yeah, yeah, we're <laughs> going to do it. Let them buy yeah. their team. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'm so yeah. good. We're on the same page. So you have any other players? On your, on your I do. exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. List. I do. So this is a young player who has been very, very good so far, like hampered by injuries a little bit, but 
Wander Franco is now looking like an absolute oh, yeah. superstar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he just, he has an OPS of 932. He's got three stolen bases. Like this is perhaps even more Wander Franco than we were originally promised in the power department. And I also want to give a shout out to his teammate, Josh Lowe, who had his first real taste of the majors last year, but looked like a little overmatched. And now he has an 1180 OPS, 1180. And I feel like the same thing could be said for Nolan Gorman, um, who we were all so excited for last year. And then to me, it seems sort of like f- totally forgotten this year in the Jordan Walker hype. And like Walker's been good, but Gorman has been vastly improved from last year. So not only does he have, I just have a lot of like fun OPSs. I love early season OPSs. He has a 1064 OPS, but I think more tellingly, he, he's cut his strikeout rate by 10 points and he is walking at a 13% clip. It's small. It's a small sample size, but, but the, the, the strikeout rate is, is fueled by a, a cut in his swinging strike rate, which is actually one of the, the stats that gives you information earlier. You know what I mean? So like with a fewer number of, of plate appearances, you can be like, Oh, swinging strike rate. This is actually, this is a real change. Right. So it brings me joy. And then also I have the the Phillies boys that I already talked about, Brandon Marsh and Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm, who I also feel like, you know, it, it's a little bit like a post-high breakout for those three guys. It's, yeah, so. it's, it's great. You know, and what it comes back to is that we can focus on, you know, the, the guys that if you go to the odds, okay, these the AL MVP. It's great to see Shohei Itani do what we want him to do. That's great. That That's 100%. part of the equation, right? I mean, this is, we don't want the the sadness of seeing a guy underperform. Um, who we, we expect that are going to be sort of the, the, the guy that we really are banking on to entertain us throughout the year. But it's even better when, like to your point, where these names that we remember from, <laughs> and I'm going to throw out a name who's in AAA right now, but imagine if Jorge Alfaro all of a sudden started hitting 50 home runs. Oh, I remember Jorge Alfaro. He was the guy who like was this like the top prospect back in the day. And it's it just it's like I, I love that about baseball. I love when the, the names that you're mentioning all of a sudden it clicks. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's it, sad because I feel like Jorge Alfaro has had a lot of those moments. I mean, I remember that there was there was a moment like last year for the Padres when like it just felt like he was making better swing decisions. And and I was like, yeah, Jorge, like do it. You know, as a former Philly, I'm always rooting for him, yeah. um, especially. So, yeah, yeah. But someday, We'd someday, Jorge, he, has a, he has a T-shirt and he has the hair. It's, 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 it's a step in the right direction. He's the got a key- great sense of style in general. Yeah, well, so what happened was, so we I gave him a Baseballs and Boring t-shirt in spring training. He really liked it. Some guys, you know, you they get a t-shirt. If it fits right, they're going to wear it all the time. And so he really liked it. I said, hey, you're going to the WBC for, with Team Columbia. I'm going to give you five t-shirts. Now, take, give them out and take pictures of the people you give them out to. I gave him five t-shirts. He came back. I said, what you? said, oh, yeah, I gave him to this guy, this guy, this guy. Okay, well, that doesn't do me any good, Jorge. Like, such a nice guy and so well-meaning. And we'll get, uh, we'll get, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the t-shirt situation with him. But it, he, an intriguing guy, a fun guy to watch for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. So, anyway, the the team. A lot of tools. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, he when he, he, he a power hitter, he just can't catch the ball. That's the problem. I mean, he's he has a hard time. 
he can't catch the ball and not literally can't catch the ball, but this is the flaw in his game is that just receiving the ball. He'll get there. He'll get there. Um, but for me, Ellen, one of the things like you mentioned the diamondbacks and I was going to mention that, Like that's to me, like I love the teams. I love that where I love, I love the fact that the pirates aren't terrible. Like, Holy mackerel. The pirates yeah. aren't terrible. Oh, so good. Yeah. And, and, and we've had Mitch Keller on a couple of times and obviously Rich Hill comes on all the time. And I, we talked to Andrew McCutcheon, um, which we all know, you know, what he brings to the table. And, um, and then, um, um, Hayes, uh, oh my, bravo. No, why am I blanking on his first name? Brian Hayes. Brian. I was going to say deep. Brian Hayes. Brian Hayes. Brian Hayes. I had a great yeah. conversation with him and, and you watch him and they're having all of a sudden, there's teams having fun where, you know, they're used to like all oh, the sadness of the, the, the dog days after the trade deadline, they're having fun. And, and maybe they might have two people in the stand still, but they're having fun. The pirates are one and a team, another team besides the diamondbacks, I thought might be able to click was the Cubs. I, I'm a big David Ross guy. I'm like, you know, Hosmer's playing well at first out of nowhere. And, and, you know, you know, strobing backing things up and, um, you know, so uh, that that also I, I love to see that. I love to see like the finally like these people who were so sad and now are the happy. That's all, I, yeah. I'm very simple that way. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I feel that. I mean, yeah. The, the Brian Reynolds is like for a minute there. Oh. He was leading MLB in home runs. You know, um, I I mean, I I I I love him as a player, and I feel like it's I feel it's one of those things. The the um, though it's not for the entire season, the loss of O'Neill Cruz just oh. in baseball in general, because just like what a what a joy, what a joy that human is to Would watch. Would he be at the baseball. top of the list? Like, Would he be at the top? We've talked. I've talked to other writers about this of players that you say they just have to be good and they would be part of the face of baseball, and or better, mm-hmm. not good, but better. O'Neill Cruz is there. Uh, another guy is Byron Buxton there. Um, yeah, so those sort of guys, you know, I mean, just, oh, just be, just be a little bit better, stay healthy. And you can be, you can be a guy that everybody knows, everybody. I don't know if yeah. there's a guy for you or not. Oh, that's, that's a really great question. I mean, I feel like now I'm just thinking about O'Neill Cruz. And so I want to say O'Neill Cruz. I just feel like, you know, the, the, the absolute rockets that he throws and then how hard he hits the ball, you know, it's just, and then the, the, like somebody of that size playing shortstop is also like, you just sort of, you feel like you're seeing, uh, I, I don't want to, I feel like unicorn is overused, but like, you feel like you're seeing a magical creature out there, you yes. know, you're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, perhaps I'll need to think about that a little bit about no, it's, who's it's the good. guy, if it's like, if they could just, I mean, I feel like it's super obvious one. And I know we talked about him last time uh, and he's, I think more or less missed a little bit of time but like jazz chisholm obviously like yeah. we just won 162 games of jazz chisholm so strongly um because i just i i i love the the joy and the spirit with which he plays the game and and just like the panache i might have even used that word before i oh, feel like great it's, just, it's, it's like great inextricably word. linked in my mind when i think about jazz chisholm it's just the panache yeah this is a great word well uh so before we we before i appreciate you spending this much time i mean it's just been such a blast talking my joy. baseball um 
Is there any anybody anything else? Any last statement that you want on this? On this, uh, the, the how we are defining this as the first three week season in the history of baseball. Um, anything that you want to say? Okay, you declare that this is really really cool. I mean, there's so many things, but I feel like I do just want to note that we are in a golden age of home run celebrations. Oh, good one. Good one. We we really are. You know, like I, I'm I, I'm I'm a nerd. I can talk about WRC plus, but like, yes, does it just does it absolutely delight me? The Homer hose for the Orioles. I love it so much. I like particularly like that it's this sort of progressive journey around the base paths. Like I think my actual favorite part is not the Homer part, but when somebody hits a double and they do the sprinkler move and all the guys in the dugouts, but like (laughs) could the Orioles be any more delightful when I see that I'm like, no, you are fulfilling the prophecy of your delight. Um, And I, I think that, we we're just talking about the pirates. I really like the sword. You yeah. know, it's like appropriate, but it's also sort of creative, right? I mean, you know, like the the sort of you hit a homer, we're going to put something on your head is as as like a little bit played out at this point. Although I do feel like the samurai home run helmet for the angels is maybe the apex of home run associated headgear. And uh, so, yeah, I really like the sword that they have an actual sword, but they also then have that sort of thing that they do to each other when they're on second to like gesture back to the dugout. I think that that I, and I do think I think it's great that you, you're surfacing this because there are a lot of great ones and there are still teams that think that they should figure one out and they haven't quite figured it out. And I'll give you one with like the Red Sox. They had the home run cart for the last couple of years that left. Right. <sighs> Um, so it was good until you like you were like, oh, JD Martinez, he's gonna get a back hurt, he's gonna get his back hurt, he's gonna get his back hurt. Um, now That's they fair, have, but he's not even on the Red Sox anymore. No, I know, I know, but like when he goes with the Red Sox, everyone's like, oh, this is not gonna, this is not conducive to a bad back. Um, but uh, now they're doing uh, Yoshida had these inflatable dumbbells, and it's kind of like, okay, you got these inflatable dumbbells and you have them, and that's that. I think a lot of this is a work and probably sometimes it appears in the middle of the, in the, I don't think that the Orioles probably were practicing the, the home run funnel in spring training. Maybe they were, I don't know, but a lot of this is organic. It, it will, it, if nothing else, like you said, you, you expertly said we are in the home, we are the, in the golden age of home run celebrations. And that means there's going to be even better ones to come. I, I yeah I completely agree and and what I like about the Red Sox dumbbell situation is that they're adopting it from like I think what fans would do for Yoshida in Japan right. which I think is sweet to be like you know the, because I mean talk about having a lot of really good celebrations for players like we could take a page from the book of Japanese baseball fans as far as I'm concerned like I want something for every single player like not just a home run I want us to have a thing for every single player that that would delight me um so yeah i i like that it, to me i was like oh but the laundry cart was so good yeah. <laughs> I, and i now i understand that it's about about uh you know obviously when you've got chris sale on your team you're like let's not injure ourselves and yeah players. yeah well yeah when um, Ploiecki left he was he was sort of by the way i asked kyle schwarber i saw him in spring training about the the philly song the um dancing on our own song oh yeah yeah and uh, because Ploiecki started it, and it, it, I, there was clearly like some, I don't want to say not animosity, but this was not like the, like, because Ploiecki came on the podcast. He's like, I, you know, I texted Schwarber, like, what are you doing? You're taking this song. What, what are you doing? And I asked Schwarber, I'm like, really? 
Oh, come on, come on, really? So a lot of, I think a lot of tension with the dancing. They're not doing that this year, are they? The dancing on our own? Uh, n- not that I know of. I mean, I know that in the postseason they were playing it after um, wins, and I don't, th- I mean, I haven't been to a game at Citizens Bank Park because I live in New York yet. Um, but uh, I don't think that they're planning on continuing to do that after, after it's good wins. To I think they'll, it's, it's good to evolve. It's, yeah, no, I think it was great. It was for that moment, you know. And uh, and and I understand, but like it's 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 not like Ploiecki, and I I, un- I understand his objection, but it's not like he wrote the song. You no, know what I mean? no, he yeah, also yeah. somebody else probably also was like, this is a good song, and he was like, yeah, I agree. That's right, and that's <laughs> so why I, I agree he was just with paying it forward, really. Ex- like, exactly. thanks, thanks, ex- Ploiecki. Ex- exactly. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, thank um, thank you so much, and once again, you've been so. Oh, generous. I just have to mention that. Oh my yeah. Friend, oh yeah. Go ahead. My favorite home run celebration is the is the Padres Polaroids. I don't have to talk more about it, but like that's actually my favorite one. I love it so much. It's like it's a way to celebrate, but also like you get this thing that endures. It's so nice. uh, it's again golden age of home run celebrations. Not even question. Not even a question. And one of the things that I want to get to maybe on another podcast. We are obsessed with walking music. So, but uh, but that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. I appreciate the time and uh, and yay baseball. Congratulations on being named fan of the year. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I thought I was just nominated. I I don't. I'll continue to um, you know, stage my campaign to actually win fan of the year. At well, the end of the year. I, this was the task, and you passed it. So there you go. Thank you. Ellen. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on again.